Hey, what's going on, guys? This is the T-Smashing, jaw-cracking kid from the east side of Cleveland, Ohio, Shane Taylor. And you're listening to my Ohio brother, RBV, and that Bullet Club Mark Jargo in the locker room. is Saturday night, March 24th, 2018, and you are tuned into the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by TheGorillaPosition.com and presented by Hameen Media. On tonight's show, Rick and I uh, got a couple of topics that we wanted to touch on here, and then we are going to get into your New Japan Pro Wrestling Strong Style Evolved preview show. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to tell you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. I'm joined, as always, alongside my Huckleberry, my tag team partner, my partner in crime, RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show for like the third time today. It's me, it's me. It's that R to the B to the V. Uh, you are right, Chargo. Yeah, you know, we've been at it all day. What a what a glorious Saturday it has been. You know, I'm really looking forward to diving into uh, this new Japan talk. I know we got some other news to get to before that, but hey, man, I am still buzzing. You know, I guess we can stooge it off. Hey, I've already I've already been sharing it all over social media. We just wrapped up an incredible interview, uh, up close, in depth with Ring of Honor's own Kelly Klein as she prepares. Uh, for you know, a major, a major first for herself. Uh, is she? She's getting ready to become the first ever Women of Honor champion. And Rick, I I think I have it on good authority. I talked to uh, Miss Klein off air. I have a feeling she very well may become a regular contributor here to the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, as well as the Monday Locker Room over at Hameen Media. She seemed very happy with the interview, and I think. I think we stand a chance of getting the very first interview with the new Women of Honor champion as soon as she is crowned. 
Well, I, you want to talk about major pop moments? Uh, that that most certainly would be right up there. It was a very good interview that'll be dropping Monday in the locker room over at hackerhameen.podbean.com. Uh, but the the big reason that we are here tonight, we are going to preview Strong Style Evolved for you. But there's there's been a couple of things break that we wanted to touch on uh, going into the weekend here. Uh, first of all, I, I just brought this to Rick's attention. Uh, this would be uh, Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. Once again, they are back at it. It's like every time the Bullet Club comes out with something that raises the stakes a little bit, Gargano and Ciampa got to come out with something new to keep their names relevant inside of this crazy battle for what's going to be the biggest story of 2018. It's fantastic watching this game of one-upsmanship. Well, you know, it's it's kind of a, you know, it's a back and forth race uh, between these two. You know, what is actually the hottest story going on in the entire world of professional wrestling? And I have to hand, you know, you got to give it to them. They, they've, upped, uh, they've shown the Bullet Club they are here to play. So uh, for those who haven't seen NXT this week, we've had some ongoings here. Uh, we had Ciampa coming out into the ring, and once again, he goes to cut his magic promo, and the crowd at Full Sail just boos him out of the building. He exits the ring, starts tearing up Johnny Wrestling signs. Uh, he even sent out a tweet uh, that now he is taking challenges from all grandmas all over the world. He ain't scared of no grandma. That, that, that's another fun story that we will uh, have to get into at some point here. But as he's making his way around tearing up the Johnny Gargano signs, the man underneath the mask is Johnny Gargano. He jumps the railing and he beats the ever-loving crap out of Tommaso Ciampa. Takes four guys to drag Johnny Gargano out of full sail. You know, it takes uh, three U.S. Marshals to get beat up by Roman Reigns. But four security guards can drag uh, Johnny Wrestling out of full sail. And when I say out of full sail, I mean all the way into the parking lot. They are dragging this dude off of the premises. Ciampa's checking to make sure he's got all of his teeth. You know, I'm almost going to say, you know, the guy that that uh, stalker fan, that crazy guy that got shot. Yeah, I know he he was less of a headache on security than Johnny was here. Yep, this is this is turned into uh, Johnny Gargano's uh, new uh, gimmick here, and it, it it just reminds me, what was that movie? You want to get crazy? Let's get crazy. Wasn't that in Lethal Weapon? When he was standing oh, up there on the on the I, side I, of the building with the guy, and he's like, "You want to jump? You want to jump? I'll jump." I think you're right. I think you're right. You want to get crazy? Let's get crazy. I'm pretty sure that was Lethal Weapon. But it's like Gargano is now, okay, you want you want to go back to being the Sicilian psychopath? All right, let's play some head games now. And so now Gargano's not allowed in the building, but he's got no job. He's got nothing better to do. So he's showing up at NXT live events, and he's standing outside taking pictures with people and signing autographs. Uh, this latest video that that has been leaked on WWE.com, Johnny's just standing outside the performance center, leaning against his car, just waiting for Ciampa to come outside. Heavy machinery comes out, and they're striking up a conversation with Gargano, and about that time, he sees Ciampa in his car. And Gargano goes running over, and he tries to drag Ciampa out the freaking window. Ciampa throws it in reverse, backs up quick. Gargano chases him down. Opens up the car door, trying to drag Tommaso out. Tommaso peels out a full sail. It's fantastic stuff, man. They are using social media the way that it should be used to advance storylines. It's amazing how they're getting it right there. They're using it properly instead of just worrying about filters 
and hitting the buzzwords and what's hip for the kids. They're actually using it properly to to get you more invested in advanced storylines. And you know what? Hey, and that's really how life works there. You know, when, sitting there watching that, that actually reminded me uh, of a real life situation when I was, you know, I it's, before I put the bars to work for me, before I moved to the marketing side of it, uh, when I was working in the bars, oh, I remember one time, uh, just to share a little story here. I was doing a morning shift, a uh, bar in Cincinnati. We opened up at six in the morning, 6 a.m. every day. And we had a full bar by 637 because we had a factory next to us. Got to get uh, that so third shift crowd. Shift. It, it would be packed by you 7. You know, and they would drink till noon and then they'd go home. They would do their lawn, have their lunch and go to bed. Yep. Your 6 p.m. is my 8 a.m. Well, so I'm getting off my shift at noon and I'm, I'm counting out my drawer and I'm sitting on the, the customer side of the bar. And my partner, Dominic, he's coming in. He's doing his check in and doing his little rounds and seeing if I missed anything stocking and all that. Well, we had two customers at the bar, uh, and another gentleman comes in and he sits at a back table. And Dominic asks, "Hey, Rosie, can I can I get you a walk? Can I, can I get you the usual? He usually did like a Miller Lite and a whiskey on the rocks." No, no, I'm okay, man. He's just sitting there. He's just kind of staring at this guy at the bar. So a little bit goes by. Rosie, you sure? I, I, can I get you water? No, Dominic, I'm fine. I'm just waiting for this tall motherfucker to walk outside. I'm going to stab him. <laughs> Oh, Dominic man. and I, Dominic and I both like pause. I mean, like it was like a ghost in a room. I mean, our jaws drop. We go just pale white, and we're kind of looking at each other, and we're like, how, you know, how are we going to handle this? Well, you know, we, we didn't have to handle it because it was going to happen outside. And sure enough, when the guy left the bar a couple like an hour later, he went outside and Rosie stabbed him. Oh my gosh! <laughs> but that's how things happen, you know. If you want to take care of business, you got to be. Hey. You sit outside by your car. You wait for somebody to walk outside, and then you catch that sucker. You want to jump me from behind with a crutch and end my career? I'm going to wait outside of every building that you are performing at, and when you come outside, I am going to kick your ass. I, I will tell you, Rosie didn't just walk in with a microphone in his hand. There, there is going to be a, uh, a bit of a payoff coming up on NXT TV for this. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody. We'll save it. I'm just saying, if you're not following Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, and NXT on Twitter, getting all of these updates, stuff that's not making the TV episodes, you should be because you're missing out on a good chunk of the story. Uh, Rick, let's let's pivot a little bit and uh, talk about another uh, upcoming storyline that seems to be planned inside of the WWE and a comment that came from the land of the rising sun. Uh, as, as our own Ben Hameen kind of uh, was, was talking about on the Russo show this past week, it seems as though they are going the route of turning Finn Balor into a homosexual character. Now. I don't even really know where I want to begin with this. And I wasn't even sure that I necessarily wanted to comment on it. And then Kenny Omega came out with a quote regarding the golden lovers and furthermore regarding WWE gay superstars. And I want to read you this quote and then uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get your thoughts afterwards. Uh, this is Omega's quote. Let me let people think what they want to think. Omega told Yahoo Sports, if the LGBT people can identify with our story, if they think that the Golden Lovers are my team, I'm good with that. 
It's the story of two wrestlers who shared dreams on their way up, who became fast friends, and who are now reuniting at the top of their game. I think it's important to show the 21st century that if you're gay, lesbian, trans, whatever, that you should feel just as welcome to be at a, a wrestling fan as anyone else. You're welcome in this space, Omega said. I do get some stupid messages on Twitter from homophobic people, and they're usually WWE fans, which kind of drives things home. In WWE, a gay person is usually portrayed like some sort of comedy act to be mocked at and laughed at. The world's not like that anymore. Everyone should feel welcome at the show. That's Omega's quote. Now, when this story broke and uh, other news outlets started picking this up and, and we've seen some pictures come in and I'm watching the response inside of the Hameen Media Discussion Group, and I read this quote from Kenny Omega regarding WWE fans. It's hard to say that he's wrong. You know, I, I always want to take this, you know, a different angle. I think that Kenny really saw this as an opportunity. This sounds like a, a an easy way to take a cheap shot at WWE. Oh, very much so. Very much so. So, I mean, so how genuine are his comments or is this just a way for him to, you know, no pun intended, to get a low blow in on the competition. Well, you know, you say that, but um, as as much New Japan as I watch, and of course, the Golden Lovers has always been one of those gimmicks, kind of like Gold Dust back in in the mid '90s, that just you can infer what you want. They don't necessarily come out and say anything. They don't necessarily do anything blatant. But you can absolutely get those overtones. That's That's been their reputation for a long time. And I see WWE fans, when they see it, and they make some egregious comments regarding the Golden Lovers. Now this Finn Balor thing comes out, and the way that WWE is starting to build this. I mean, come the fuck on, man. You saw that picture of Finn Balor in that sailor suit. If that is not to be pointed at, mocked, and laughed at, what the hell is it? Well, I think that maybe you're making too much of it here. I mean, and you're and you're trying to like signal out w, signal out WWE here. I mean, it is kind of a, a theme through all of entertainment that when you do introduce a gay character to even like a television program or in a movie, you know, they really overemphasize that flamboyancy that we associate with the homosexual lifestyle. Unfortunately, I, I feel like it's 2018 and it's like, you know what? You had Darren Young on your roster who is a legitimate gay man and you did nothing with it. You have Sonia Deville on your roster who is a legitimate gay woman and you do nothing with it. Now you have Finn Balor who is a straight man and you're going to turn him into a gay character and you're going to make him a flamboyant gay character. It just doesn't seem like it just doesn't seem logical to me. Well, I. And I'm I'm not even sure, you know, where was, I mean, you know, through Stephanie's previous comments, and I think a lot of people are linking, hey, you know, our great leader on the Hummy Media Group, you know, he's given us a great platform. Uh, He's, he teaches us along the way, but hey, he is very outspoken. And I think he was really, he was running with a a gimmick a little bit there. You know, he was, he was just trying to get something over. It was kind of a ha-ha moment. Uh, Ha-ha-ha me, you know, and I think some people, and you know, and he's, and he's picking up, you know, he's picking up ground. People are listening to him. And I think they are kind of turning this into something that it's maybe it's not even there. 
No, I was with you. And like when Finn Balor was posting like the, the, the picture and the rainbow flag, big chair and stuff. Right. And he was doing the Balor club is open for everyone. I didn't say anything again. I was fine with it because I know his connection to Orlando. I know how much he was involved after the pulse nightclub shooting and the activism that he took in that. And it wasn't just Balor. It was the entire performance center that very much affected that entire community down there. Right. And I just wrote it off to that and I didn't think anything about it, but this blue boy thing that Hameen brought up on the Russo show is a legit thing. And I'm kind of afraid that, yeah, that's where it's going. You know, my, and, and I will say, you know, it, it really is easy because that is how we kind of perceive a homosexual character, just not through professional wrestling, but in all forms of entertainment, how we see it. But, you know, I will say I'm not going to pretend it's that it's an untruth. You know, sometimes in wrestling, we are a bit of a, a lowbrow audience. Yep. Yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, it's, it's some, there's a reason stereotypes exist. I mean, well, and, and then again, though, to to have Finn go in this direction. If they would, if they would do so, is another example of how they just don't get it. Yep. Uh, and I know they, you know, they go so far overboard. Oh, we only play these characters on television. You know, it's just like Stephanie McMahon's mo. You know, when she's out doing her PR circuit, that she isn't, you know, just that turn your channel bitch that everyone can't stand. Oh, I just play that mean person. Yeah, it's like her first line every time she does an interview. Yeah, but there is that direct relation in wrestling where we connect the individual with a character. It blurs the lines. That's what makes wrestling so great. So it go back that they missed. They totally missed a mark here. Is like you said, they had a Darren Young, they have Sonya Deville, someone that can actually represent that community true to their heart, who yeah. they really are. Yeah, they just trying to force this exactly, and, and that's that's my entire issue with it. And I would, I would even be more worried, not how, I don't want to say homophobic, because I, I don't think, you know, I'm sure there are some out there that feel that way, but you know, it is fun to, you know, to, to, you know, make it, you know, throw a jab here and there, make a joke. That's fine. I think it would be more offensive to the actual homosexual community. Absolutely. Absolutely. As the parent of a gay teen, it offends me. I mean, that's just one of those things that it's just... I have a personal connection to this now. And if Finn wants to do this, fine. I more power to him. I just I don't want to see him ruin his reputation by the character that he is portraying. And and that's the part it just bugs me. You know, well, you it's know, they, like when you watch Modern Family, the guy who plays Cameron on Modern Family is not gay. But you know what? He also can't get a fucking date. Well, and then he's going to end up being typecast. Exactly. Exactly. And that, and that becomes the problem. I, I just feel like Fergal Devitt is a better talent than that. I feel like he's better than just reducing it down to a, a poke fun at storyline. And I guess there is some, uh, according to reports, there is some pushback here from uh, one Mr. Paul Levesque, who is not very happy with the direction and what they have and have not done with Finn Balor. I mean, this. I mean, this almost just kind of reminds me. Um, was it Tropic Thunder? Yeah. Yep. Where they have the gentleman, you know, who has like the, this, you know, has the skin augmentation to make yourself black. Yep. I mean, this would be like this would be like WWE doing something like that, and then coming out and 
you know, bragging that they have their first African-American champion. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, you already have, if, if you want to get into a quote unquote LBGT storyline, like legitimately you have the fashion police who are already pushing that boundary to begin with. It's the, that's something you do with Fondango and T- Tyler Breeze. Well, you do know, you know back Ballard. when uh, um, Billy and Chuck, or Chuck and Chucky and Billy, or yeah. Bill, whatever, what was the tag team name? Something like, you know, they actually were working with a group that was helping them craft that storyline, and it was supposed to, it, it was supposed to go, the wedding was supposed to go through, but day of, last minute and creative, they pulled the plug on it. Right. Uh, and actually, the, um, you know, the gay activist group that was helping them out, they were quite upset with WWE for that last minute change. They had felt that they'd been worked this whole time. Yeah. You know, that they were being used so that they wouldn't get WWE wouldn't be, you know, put under a negative spotlight and just ridiculed, you know, to no end. Because they could say, oh, you know what? no, this is serious. They were working with a group. And I and this and this is the in-depth story, you know, I heard through, you know, from Bruce Pritchard on his show. You know, and he's, you know, he swears, you know, oh, it was a last minute call. We were never using anybody. But, you know, they felt that way. And I just, I think they're, I don't even want to really think about what the, the straight fans or even those that are a bit homophobic are going to think about this. I would be more worried about your backlash from the actual homosexual community. I agree. I agree. Uh, so let's let's pivot to another topic here. Uh, this one comes to us from ProWrestling.com. I thought this was interesting. Uh, ProWrestling.com's Mike Killam has put out a top 10 list, which is actually more so a top nine because one of them, there's, there's two guys here. Uh, but I thought this was an interesting list. People who should take over as the general manager for Daniel Bryan. And uh, I'll run down the list here, and I'm curious if if you have any thoughts regarding any of these people, or if you would pick somebody completely different, because we, we have had the Hulk Hogan news come out as well. So let's run down the list uh, from nine to one here. Corey Graves, Lana, Jeff Jarrett, Paul Heyman, The Fashion Police, Mark Henry, Edge, Alicia Fox, or your boy, Jim Cornette. Are there any of those names that really like pop off the page to you? I mean, I'm sure that you would love for Jim Cornette to be the new general manager of SmackDown Live. Well, I, I don't know if uh, WWE PG can contain Jim Cornette. Well, especially when you have Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn on the SmackDown Live roster. I mean, you talk about some bad blood. Well, you know what? He has kind of he has kind of gone back. He's retracted some of those statements. He, you know, he he's even come out. He says he appreciates, he always appreciate them talent, his talents, and he loves where they're at. I think that entire thing is a work. I have always thought that it was a work. Jim Cornette and Kevin Owens, Kevin Steen, played off of each other so well in Ring of Honor when they were butting heads. It's like the Bobby Heenan and Hulk Hogan thing. Like uh, they always pretended like they absolutely freaking hated each other, and they very well may hate each other. But I've always felt like it was a work. Well, I, I think the the bigger issue with Cornette would be, you know, you've got Linda. Uh, she's a certain, you know, she's a cabinet member to a certain president. Yeah, there is that. And there Jim is op- that. And, and Jim Cornette opens up pretty much every uh, experience podcast with his weekly comments on President Fuckbag, as he likes to call him. <laughs> there is that. Uh, is there anybody on this list that jumps out to you that you would like to see? 
you know what? As I was looking through it, you know, my initial reaction was, I really don't see Brian moving out of that role. I don't see the need. You know, every you know, he's he's able to return to the ring. I just don't. I just don't know at this point if it's really going to be what everyone expects as a full time competitor. But, man, I, I maybe it's the old school in me, man. You know, I always talk about how it used to be the glory days. Do we really need one? No, we do not. We absolutely do not need an authority figure for SmackDown. Um, however, if we are going to have an authority figure, I th- there's one name on this list that popped off to me that I think is a real possibility, but I'm going to make another pitch. All right? All right. I want Jeff Jarrett to be the new general manager of SmackDown Live. I want Dixie Carter to be the new commissioner of SmackDown Live. I want Dixie Carter. I want Jeff Jarrett. I want AJ Styles. I want them all on the same show. Let's turn it into TNA circa 2007. Well, let's just move. Let's move the show to back to Thursdays. Yep, we'll get Joe over here. We'll bring over Kurt Angle. You know, we got Bobby Roode. We can bring in the Cowboy James Storm. Like, we could legit turn this into TNA. Hey, and then, you, uh, then you've then you pretty much written a way to call up uh, EC3. Yeah, why the hell not? You, you know what, man? You are, you are really stretching there. But, you know, you did say a name in there that I do find a little intriguing. Uh, let's say the night after WrestleMania. After Kurt Angle and Rousey have gone over, Angle is called out to the ring, and we assume he's about to be fired. And he actually tells them to take this job and shove it because he has just reached an agreement with Shane McMahon to become the new general manager of SmackDown. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Um, And then I assume that the new general manager of Monday Night Raw becomes Paul Heyman. Oh, you know what? I would really enjoy that. I mean, if there is a legit possibility that Brock Lesnar is walking away the night after WrestleMania, I would be completely fine with Paul Heyman as the new general manager of Monday Night Raw. I would absolutely love that. And to even kind of further that, I'd love for his first action to go back to Gorilla and tell everyone to leave. (laughs) Since they've exposed everyone that's back there. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I like that very much. I like that very much. Uh, Any chances that Hillbilly Jim or Ivory become the new general manager of SmackDown Live? Uh, I think Helen Keller has a better chance of finding Waldo than either of those two have of getting on-air roles. Well, we do know that Hillbilly Jim and Ivory will be going into the Hall of Fame this year. So let's throw it over to our boy, Paul Arzola, with This Week in Pro Wrestling History. This week, he is talking Ivory and Hillbilly Jim. Rick and I will be right back to break down Strong Style Evolved 2018, coming to us from the Walter Pyramid in Long Beach. We'll be right back. This week in pro wrestling history with Paul Arzola. 
wrestling enthusiasts, and welcome to another edition of This Week in Professional Wrestling History. This week, we will continue our Hall of Fame inductees segment as we will look at two new Hall of Fame inductees for this year, 2018. First up is Ivory. She actually started out in the professional wrestling promotion GLOW, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. She was trained by Mondo Guerrero. She won the GLOW Championship by defeating Colonel Nataki. Oh, I think that's how you say it. Um, later, she wrestled for the uh, Powerful Women of Wrestling and Ladies of Professional Wrestling Association. She debuted in the WWE on the February 13, 1999 episode of Raw. As a storyline love interest of Mark Henry, she was a valet for Mark Henry and Dee Lover. And in, while in the WWE, she won the Women's Championship three times. She had feuds with many of the great women of the Attitude Era, Jacqueline, China, Luna Bashan, just to name a few. In 2002, Ivory served as a trainer on the second season of the TV show Tough Enough. And it was announced on February 12, 2018, she would be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Now our next Hall of Fame inductee for 2018 is Hillbilly Jim. In late 1984, he appeared as a fan named Big Jim, who routinely sat in the front row of live events who eventually decided to try his hand at wrestling. Piper offered to train Jim, but he chose to be trained by then WWE heavyweight champion Hulk Hogan. His first WrestleMania appearance was WrestleMania 2 as part of the Open Invitational Battle Royale. WrestleMania 3, he had a match with King Kong Bundy, Lord Littlebrook, and Little Tokyo. And his tag team partners were The Haiti Kid and Little Beaver. In 1995, he was the manager of the Goblins. And then he actually became a road agent later on. WrestleMania 17, he was part of the uh, gimmick battle royal in 2001 and was eliminated by the Iron Sheik. He has appeared on WWE's uh, network show Legends House as a take on the surreal life in 2014. You can find me at Lone Wolf PMA on Twitter and on Facebook at Paul Arzola. Next week, we will continue our series by looking at Hall of Fame inductees Jeff Jarrett and Mark Henry. Now a word from Stevie Richards. Hey, this is Stevie Richards. I'm here to tell you, you don't necessarily need all this equipment to get in the best shape of your life. All you need is this, a resistance band. I'm so excited to offer the 12-week resistance band training program to you, which features an interactive PDF with full overview videos, modifications, descriptions of all the exercises, scalability, no matter what fitness level or what age you are, 
the PDF scales the workout to you. Also, after your instant download of the PDF, you get full direct email support right from me, as well as access to a Facebook group with an awesome interactive community. I can't wait to help you take control of your fitness journey. So just put in stevierichardsfitness.com, go to the store, and download the 12-week resistance band training program. This is the pretty badass, Kelly Klein. I am in the locker room with Jargo and RBV. Avert your eyes and don't wait outside the locker room for me. Japan Pro Wrestling's first ever headlining event in America. Tickets sold out in the mere two hours. A fighting style world renowned set the crowd alight. And now, in 2018, ever-evolving New Japan Pro Wrestling has its sights set on the world and America is next. That New Japan Pro Wrestling will return to the United States in 2018! New Japan is coming. It's going to be bigger. It's going to be better than ever. We will rule the wrestling world. This is Strong Style Evolved. So we're back for segment two. We had the, the VTR for uh, Strong Style Evolved play right before this. Rick, I'm pumped for this show. I'm pumped for this show. This this looks like a really good card. Uh, and for New Japan, they normally announce their cards way in advance. They were pretty late on this one. But this looks like it's going to be a really good card. Well, let me ask you, you know, just before, you know, coming in, you know, how they usually handle business over there. You know, as you said, we usually know, you know, weeks in advance what the lineup's going to be. They went a different route here, you know, just up until, what, just a couple of days ago. We only had three confirmed matches, correct? Yes, and, and of course, one of those matches has changed with the uh, absence of one Mr. Rey Mysterio. Which, do you chalk that up to how they're marketing towards the Western, you know, the U.S. audience? Um if I write it up to anything, man, I really write it up to what's going on in New Japan right now. Uh, with, I think they were so focused on New Japan Cup that this just was not a priority for them right at the moment. Well, I can see it. So you, you really is going into this. You know, it, it does, this seems you know like a big deal for us in the United States in the Western fan base. But, you know, as you've mentioned before, you know, in the grand scheme of things, this is, you know, this is just like another tour stop for them. So they probably didn't want to give away too much of their actual plans and booking 
by making a, a huge announcement for this show. Right. Um, and then, of course, you know, there's also the potential for injuries, especially inside of a tournament like New Japan Cup. Uh, one thing that they were doing, though, while we only had the three matches advertised, they were advertising sea stars such as Tetsuya Naito, the IWGP champion, Kazuchika Okada, Hiroshi Tanahashi, you know. So they were advertising the talent that was going to be there, just not necessarily the matches that, themselves. That does, I mean, it does make sense, but it seems more of a, you know, how WWE promotes their events. Yeah, very you know, much. You, you get like that big one or two matches and other stars. Yep. Where typically New Japan says, hey, man, this, not only is this it, this is the order it's happening in. Yep, yep. Uh, that's one thing that I do love about New Japan cards. At least when I look at the card, I know what the card is going to be. I know how the show is laid out, and I can kind of draw speculations and conclusions from there. I mean, match order is such an art. It's, it's one thing I really wish that we knew for WrestleMania now so we could kind of discuss the card and how things are f- going to flow throughout the night. That's one thing I really, really love about New Japan Pro Wrestling. So let's uh, let's take a look at this card, and I, I think there may be some surprises on here. I found some connections that some people may not know. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's let's start things off with with the first match, which is going to be Rapungi 3K, which is going to be Sho, Yo, and Rocky Romero taking on the Ring of Honor Six Man Tag Team Champions, SoCal Uncensored. Of course, we're talking Scorpio Sky, Frankie Kazarian, and the Fallen Angel Christopher Daniels. Uh, I think at first glance. People would expect that the Ring of Honor talents going over here um, and and that the Rapungi 3K would be, you know, kind of there just to, to feed the American talent, get get things started off with a bang. But there, there's one connection here that I think is kind of lost. Long Beach and Los Angeles are not necessarily that far apart. Uh, Rocky Romero is vital in bringing the talent from America over to New Japan. That's how Scorpio Sky got involved with Ring of Honor and, of course, with New Japan via Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. Uh, Rocky Romero is the first United Wrestling Network television champion. He is very involved in that entire scene. Rocky Romero is over huge in Southern California. I would not be surprised to see Rapungi 3K put down SoCal Uncensored to set up something else for more business on down the line. Now, so you bring all that together. You doing your research, you know, you kind of shot me down here. You know, is when we dive into these cards with New Japan, you know, I am kind of that voice from, you know, us. Uh, I guess we're the casuals here. So I, I got to come to you and ask those hard, you know, those hard hitting questions. And, you know, looking at this thing, I was going in thinking, hey, we got three people from Ring of Honor, familiar faces for this Western American audience. You know, I'm thinking, hey, it's get things flowing. Make me feel comfortable, you know, with these familiar faces they go over. And I was thinking, and I knew his ties. I know how big he's there. I wasn't really linking it, you know, as much as you are. But I was I was going to say that Rocky probably takes the fall here. See, I, 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 I still favor SoCal Uncensored, but I'm only about 60-40 at this point. I would not be surprised to see Rapungi 3K steal one here. And, you know, New Japan goes over at a New Japan show. Well, I, I like your link in learning from you how things kind of work in the new Japan dynamic. Uh, if you want to do something going forward with some ties that you had just mentioned, you know, I would, I could, I'm really looking at the Ring of Honor guys going over, but Scorpio Sky getting the pin on Rocky, 
And then now that we've got this rumor of them coming back to the States here in June, that could be a nice undercard match or a little one-on-one contest. I could also see it taking place inside of Ring of Honor for the six-man tag team championships. Or I could see it happening on a New Japan card. They, they, they very well could set up future business here for those ROH six-man tag titles not on the line in this match. Your second match of the night, we have David Finley taking on Juice or David Finley and Juice Robinson taking on Ghetto and Hiroki Goto. Of course, Hiroki Goto, the never open weight champion, Juice Robinson pinned him inside the New Japan Cup. We now know that Juice Robinson is going to get a shot at Hiroki Goto's never open weight championship. I very much expect that they are going to be involved in the finish here, but I'm not sure if it's going to be Goto pinning Juice or if it's going to be Juice pinning Goto again. You know, Ghetto and Goto, that seems that sounds like a, like a quickie mark chain to me. A little bit, a little bit. You know, and, and that's the thing. If Goto was teaming with anybody else on this show, I would absolutely expect Juice and Finley to take the win here. But under the circumstances, I don't very often see Ghetto book himself to lose. But, you know, and I'm going back to, again, you know, is how they do business. You know, Juice is hot right now. This is a way to keep keep him going forward, isn't it? Yeah, but you very well could see Ghetto pin David Finley here and then see a face-off between Goto and Juice Robinson, which would be very New Japan. They they book like that very frequently. Okay, so it's one of those, okay, you, you got the team, but you didn't get me. Exactly. Exactly. And then you'll get Goto holding up the belt and you saying that he's coming for it and it sets up future business. I'm assuming April 1st. Uh, then we have a, a, a team that very much makes me sad, and that would be Chucky e. T and Toro Yano taking on the Killer Elite Squad. Um, I think there is a bigger story here at work, though, Rick. The story here is Chaos versus Suzuki Goon. Killer Elite Squad, a member of Suzuki Goon, of course, Zack Sabre Jr. coming for Kazuchika Okada, who is a member of Chaos. I think that's very much the link here and why this match was booked. But as for this match, I don't see any other way than Killer Elite Squad just pummeling Chucky e. T and Toro Yano. You know, as yeah, we were, you know, when we were setting up the preview on the midweek episode here on the Hitting the Mark Pro Wrestling Podcast. You know, you said you know, we're, we might get a little bit of comedy here, but then, it, you know, it, then it's going to take a vicious turn. So as you kind of were speaking to, so this is another booking strategy of one upsmanship amongst the factions. Yep. Inside of the faction war, Chaos and Suzuki Goon. Just like a little scoreboard. All right. You know, uh, our, our soldiers took out a couple of your guys. Now another one's coming for you. Yep. Very much. Very much. Of course, Toro Yano is basically the Colt Cabana of New Japan Pro Wrestling. This guy cannot wrestle at all. His best move is untying the turnbuckle pads and then hitting you with them. Uh, that or a nut shot and a roll up. Those those are his two signature moves and about the only two moves that this guy can really pull off. Uh, Chucky e. T, he's going to be over huge. I mean, Chucky e. T is the PWG champion. He is going to get his props in Long Beach. But I just I cannot see any other way than Davy Boy Smith and Lance Archer going over I, here. I was I was going to even say, you know, with how over Chucky e. T is in that area, what you know, what he actually means to the local scene. It almost seems like, man, this would have been a great opener. 
Yeah, yeah, very much so. Very much so. Uh, you know, we always we always talk about that first one out of the gate to get that crowd going. He definitely would have done that. Yeah, uh, they're, they're bas- I think they're installing Rocky with that, though. Rocky's going to come out with his little blaster cannon and his hip-hop song, and that, okay. that place is going to pop huge. Uh, but I agree with you about Chucky. Uh, Chucky, just as a side note, uh, Trent, of course, Trent Beretta is uh, Chucky T's regular tag team partner. He just underwent surgery. Uh, before Trent underwent surgery, he was the PWG champion. Chucky took that title off of him. And, of course, Chucky is taking all the heat for uh, hurting Trent because uh, he had to turn on his best friend. And Chucky's playing it up on social media pretty good. It's, it's not quite Ciampa and Gargano level. But but it's some pretty entertaining stuff that definitely worth checking out if you're a PWG fan. Um, there's one other thing that we, we have to address here, Rick, and that's Lance Archer. Help me like Lance Archer because I just do not get this, dude. I don't get it. Yeah, and, we, you know, we talked about this Wednesday and, you know, I said, hey, I, you know, I, I always look forward to seeing the Killer Elite squad. And as you said, you know, you have all the respect for Davey Boy Smith Jr., but there's something about Archer that doesn't connect with you. And I actually spent some time. I, I went and looked at some, you know, some footage of this, and I was trying to come up with an argument. And I think what it might be is on his own, he doesn't really have that, I guess, it factor. Or, you know, he doesn't really have that, that's, you know, something that's really going to grab you. I think it's as a package. I mean, there's just something about these guys. I, I, I like the flow with them. I like the look. I like their technique. Uh, I'm, I'm high on them. I, I, I think my thing, it, it's kind of like the Silas Young thing for me. You know what I mean? Where it's like Silas Young just looks like a guy who should have been my stepdad and whipping my ass when I was 13 years old. And that's very much the same kind of thing I get from Lance Archer. Uh, maybe I'm just becoming a Japanese sympathizer. Maybe that's what's going on. But you know, he comes out spitting water all over the crowd and stuff. And he just seems like that disrespectful gaijin that I just want to see him get his ass whipped. Every time. I just I don't like the guy. I don't well, like then, him. Then you are connected with him. He's doing his job. Uh, he's like an asshole version of James Storm. You know, he's like a poor man's James Storm, except he's he can't even afford beer. He's got to walk around and spit water at people. I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense. I'm wondering if if maybe like when they do their UK spots, if 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 you get a more serious Lance Archer who doesn't do all that bullshit. I, I don't know. I don't I don't think I've ever seen him wrestle outside of a New Japan context. Well, here's a, a question to kind of spin off there as you're talking, because we have seen you see different looks from talents when they move from region to region or promotion to promotion. Will, will we actually, you know, some of these names we're very familiar with. Will we see a different side because they're under the New Japan banner or we will we see a mix up or, a, you know, a shake up a little bit? how they present themselves. That's a very good question. That's a very good question. And I think it really uh, presents itself in this next match, uh, which is the gorillas of destiny versus Cody and Marty. Um, Of course, when you see Cody and Marty in ring of honor, you get a lot of character work, a lot of character work inside of the new Japan context. It's a very different Marty Skrull, and it's a very different Cody. Don't call him Rhodes. Of course, you only have one speed when it comes to the Gorillas of Destiny, and that's we're Samoan badasses who are really, really cool and going to kick your teeth down your throat and yell out fuck a whole bunch of times in the middle of the match. That's what I was going to say. You know, that one speed, 
uh, they hit it and it runs through you. Yeah. Um, I, I got to give the advantage to Gorillas of Destiny here. Um, I, I know Cody and Marty have been teaming a bit, but Gorillas of Destiny, I, you could make the argument that they're the best tag team in the world. Yeah, you know what? I most certainly there they are. I think they are really going to grab a lot of eyes on this show. Uh, Tamatonga, uh, especially, I think is going to be super over with that Long Beach crowd. Uh, and you know, in, well, just you know, outside of those that are in the know with what's happening here, a lot of new eyes are going to be on the product, and I think these are going to be one of you know uh, gr- the gorillas are going to be one of the biggest winners coming out of this show. Uh, but as we, as I kind of asked you, there, are we going to see a blend of styles that we see some, from some people? I could definitely see uh, Cody and Marty, you know, trying to do that familiar Ring of Honor act, and then having to realize, like, we, no, this ain't going to work. We're a little in over our heads right now. Well, see, I'm wondering if this is going to go the other way. I'm wondering if the Gorillas are going to come over here and try to work a Ring of Honor style and do more character because I mean, obviously when you get later in this card, you have the golden lovers versus the young bucks. That's obviously the big money match on this card, but there's also tension between the OGs and the BTE cast. And I wonder if you're going to get a lot more character here, especially out of Tama Tonga and how he's going to play off of Marty and Cody. Now, see, I coming into this thing, I would be, I would shy away from booking them in that direction because I really don't want com- – maybe I do want the comparisons, but I don't want similar- similarities between the two. I don't want people saying like, oh, they're just like the Usos. I want them to come away and be like, damn, these guys smoke the Usos. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. Uh, I would not put a microphone anywhere near Tongaloa. I mean, that guy, you just cannot trust him to cut a promo without dropping F-bombs left and right. Mark Cuban have a freaking heart attack. Uh, Tama Tonga, though, he is... Cubes might like that, man. (laughs) You know, Tama Tonga, though, is, is the interesting case here because obviously we have Team Cody, we have Team Kenny, and then we have, as Tama Tonga puts it, Team Bullet Club. Bullet Club is fine, according to Tama Tonga. I I absolutely expect there's going to be some kind of character development between the OGs and the BTEs here. I'm almost more intrigued. I think it's going to be a, a great match, but post match, yeah, is is where we might see something really develop. Yeah, that's a good point. How, too. how is that interaction going to be when one of these teams fall? Yeah, yeah, and and what happens post match? Um, and is Marty going to have any hair by the end of the weekend? Because poor Marty, the, the, the hair is, I, I noticed on the most recent episode of BTE, that hair looked kind of short underneath of that ball cap. Poor Marty. He's so stressed out. Uh, let, let's move on to uh, another uh, kind of train wreck match, but I think this one's going to be a lot of fun. And that's Dragon Lee, Ryusuke, Taguchi, Kushida, and Hiroshi Tanahashi taking on Los Ingobernables, Hiromu Takahashi, Bushi, Sonata, and Naito. Evil, of course, out with an injury, so this is only going to be four on four. There's not a five on five here. That's that's why Evil's not on the card. Um I think LIJ has got to go over strong here, right? Naito is going to be over freaking huge. 
Um, I don't suspect anybody off. I mean, Dragon Lee is going to get a nice pop. Taguchi's going to get a nice pop. Kushida's going to get a nice pop. Tanahashi, I expect, will get the biggest pop out of that group. But I expect it's all going to be just fail in comparison to how over Naito is going to be. Oh, I completely agree. And, you know, just speak to the match itself. Uh, those people that love the dot, dot, dive, you know, you love that big kind of gimmick. Like you said, man, it's just going to be one glorious train wreck. Yeah, this thing's going to be crazy. It's going to be. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be. Don't don't play a drinking game where every time they hit a spot, you take a sip because you're going to be lights out by yeah. the end of the match. Yeah, the ones, of course, I'm looking forward. I, I want to see Hiromu face off with Kushida and uh, renew the their rivalry from 2017, which was one of my favorite feuds of the year. And then, of course, you anytime you have Hiroshi Tanahashi and Tetsuya Naito in the same ring, there's potential for something very, very cool to happen. Uh, Dragon Lee and uh, Bushi. I, those guys, they, they they might crawl up into the rafters somewhere and do some crazy stunt where they jump and freaking meet each other in the middle. Those two guys are absolutely freaking crazy. And then you have Taguchi, which is, well, he's Taguchi, and Sonata, who just doesn't really give a shit. It's going to be interesting. It'll, it'll be a very interesting dynamic as, as these two teams get in the ring. Uh, then we have, for me, kind of the disappointment on the show. Uh, Jushin Thunder Liger was supposed to take on the Mexican legend Rey Mysterio Jr. on this show. Unfortunately, Rey is out with a bicep injury. So it's going to be Jushin Thunder Liger taking on the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, Will Ospreay. I know, what a huge disappointment, right? Hey, you know, it just goes to show how big, you know, what a blockbuster of that previous, you know, the announced match was that we're sitting here disappointed for an Osprey match. Yeah, I know. You, you have the greatest junior heavyweight of all time taking on the current best junior heavyweight in the world, arguably, and, and Will Osprey. I, I really wish they would put the title on the line here. So I, I didn't just assume that Osprey was going over. Well, wasn't Osprey was he was kind of doing a little cover up work on social media, wasn't he? Yeah, I think he was trying to, but I, it doesn't work, man. People are disappointed, and and it's it's no fault of Will Osprey's in any way, shape, or form. It's just you're not Rey Mysterio. Well, do you do you see a backlash from the audience, or will they or will they be understanding? Oh, the audience will be understanding, but Will Osprey absolutely will be working heel in this match because Jushin Liger is definitely going to be the one that is getting all of the streamers. If they allow streamers into the Walter pyramid, I don't know if they are or not. I know last year they wouldn't let streamers in there, but if there are streamers, Jushin Liger is getting all the streamers. I mean, people are there a lot of them to see Jushin Thunder Liger. This may be the last opportunity that we have to see Liger in the States. I absolutely expect Jushin Liger to go over here. If this is a non-title match. All right, so uh, will this match outshine his match with your boy in from uh, NXT? The match with Tyler Breeze? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, don't I, get I me wrong. I love Tyler Breeze, but he's not he's not freaking Will Ospreay. Hey, I, I've just, I was just wondering. I was you just know wondering. what? But I will say this. I will say this. Ben Hameen would enjoy the match with Tyler Breeze a hell of a lot more than he will enjoy the match with Will Ospreay. I will say that. As far as the psychology of the match goes, as far as the holy shit, did he just do that? 
yeah, Will Ospreay is going to beat Tyler every time when it comes to that. But I still think Tyler Breeze would beat Will Ospreay because he's Tyler freaking Breeze. I mean, he beats everybody. Tyler Breeze versus Brock Lesnar. Book that shit. Uh, then let's talk about uh, Tomohiro Ishii taking on Kazuchika Okada. Er, there, I did it again. I'm trying to put yeah. tag partners against each other. No, it's Ishii and Okada taking on the two scariest men on the face of the planet, Minoru Suzuki, and I'm his understudy, his his apprentice, if you will, Zack Sabre Jr. Of course, uh, the story here, Zack Sabre Jr. getting a shot at Kazuchika Okada's IWGP Heavyweight Championship on April 1st. And once again, it is Chaos versus Suzuki-Goon. Well, I was going to say, you know, you're talking about... Uh about Saber Jr. Hey, he is scary hot right now. Uh, he has been, he is the Cinderella story so far of 2018. I don't think there's anybody in professional wrestling that's hotter than Zack Saber Jr. right now. And I don't mean in appearance because he's not much to look at. And by not much to look at, I mean all 160 pounds of him. That, that was in segment one. Now we're talking about every <laughs> performance. Well played. Well played. The joke just went over somebody's head. But, I mean, so many stories that could come out of this thing, right? It's, you know, we got a, a huge opportunity for Saber Jr., you know, just coming up, you know, at the end at the end of the month. You know, he's going to get the challenge for the grandest prize in New Japan Wrestling. And he's got a chance to make a statement, you know, right across the ring from him. Okay, now, I absolutely expect the team of Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. to win this match. The question is, how are they going to win this match? Because, Rick, on the build to this match, do you see any scenario where Gato is going to tell Okada, tonight, you're going to tap out? Well, you know, we know the order of the card, and you were talking earlier you know, about the Gato match where it's, you know, maybe they go with the, hey, you didn't get me. I see that storyline being more effective in this match. So you think Suzuki gets Ishii? Well, I would say that Zach gets Ishii. Okay, I could see and that. And then Okada's like, okay, man, you made you made your point. You made a statement. My only problem with that, my only problem with that can you see the stone cold pit bull tapping out? Like you almost got to do a WrestleMania 13. Ishii passes out from the pain kind of finish. Don't you? If you really want to make a serious point with junior, I mean, what better way, man? It's, you know, if he hasn't already turned enough heads with the run he made through the uh, new Japan cup. And if he can get Ishii to tap here, Yeah. And of course, Ishii did have that terrible spot that went terribly wrong with Michael Elgin inside of the New Japan Cup. This is the first time that we're going to see Ishii since then. So he very easily could be selling some kind of a terrible injury from that spot, which of course is target practice for guys like Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. Um, I think the other thing to kind of take into consideration here is the Tomohiro Ishii equation. Because if you remember from last year when they did the G1 special in Long Beach, 
Tomohiro Ishii was Kenny Omega's challenger in the finals of the U.S. title tournament, and they had that crazy spot where Tomohiro Ishii like bit on the top rope as uh, Kenny Omega was trying to German suplex him off the apron through a table. Ishii, I think, is going to be over huge with that crowd when he comes out, and I think it's going to surprise even Tomohiro Ishii. That's absolutely another part to take into the equation. Let's talk about the IWGP United States Championship. Of course, that's going to be Jay White, the champion, taking on Hangman Page. This is Chaos versus Bullet Club. And of course, Jay White refused an invitation to join the Bullet Club and instead joined Chaos. Uh, Rick, where do you think this one's going to go? Is Hangman finally going to get some gold or do you expect Switchblade to retain? Man, this really is a tough call. You know, he is still so, still so young in his championship reign. But if we're looking at this card, if you're looking for a real shocker, I could see Hangman going over. I could see I, Hangman I, I going it, over here. Now, what you think? It, I think it might be a quick turnaround where he would quickly get the title back at some point, probably in Saboro. But I could see them doing it for a pop effect. Yeah, I absolutely could see that. I could see that. I, I'm with you. I think Jay White is going to retain here. But again, this is one of those kind of 60-40 things. Uh, New Japan is really, really high on Jay White. For me, he's still kind of a mess. I'm with you. I am just not buying into this Switchblade character. I never have. When I first saw the vignettes for Switchblade airing, I thought it was going to be Sammy Callahan. Like that, it felt like that was a Sammy Callahan character, not a Jay White character. And, and, you know, it's, you know, not knocking his talent, incredible talent. It's just, you know, it's one of those things where we talked about maybe the wrong casting. I mean, he literally has that baby face. Yeah. It's hard to see him as that switchblade badass. Yep. Uh, Now, let me ask you here. How do you see the crowd falling between these two? I, I absolutely expect that Hangman is going to be the crowd favorite here uh, between the Bullet Club connection, the Ring of Honor connection, and just a combination of the Switchblade character missing. Um, of course, Bullet Club is over huge in that area. Hangman goes out there. He does appearances for bar wrestling. He does the PWG circuit. And Jay White kind of shit on that entire Bullet Club motif when he refused it so i absolutely expect hangman to be treated as the baby face in this match and i would be kind of curious and maybe they go this route maybe to get like a vignette or a pro you know a promo package beforehand to remind that crowd about that so they can get some heat behind white yeah um i also the thing that's interesting to me in this match is inside of new japan Hangman's not a good guy. Inside of New Japan, Jay White is a member of Chaos. Of course, Chaos is led by Okada. You know, so I'm wondering if this is going to be a terribly miscast match. If Jay White is going to come out and work baby and Hangman is going to come out and work heel, even though the crowd is going to respond completely the opposite. You know, and again, it's, this is going to be one of you know the most interesting things about this show is how the talents are presented. Yeah, and, and I and you know going back though, you have to trust in the track record with New Japan that they have probably they recognize this, 
and they're and they realize they're going to have to make some changes. Yeah, they're going to have to make some consolations on this card. And then, of course, there is the match. And if you, I don't know how you call this. I mean, this isn't 60-40. This is going to be a 50-50 split. You have the Golden Lovers, Kota Ibushi and Kenny Omega, taking on the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson. So, Rick, let's reference being the Elite 97. The show starting off with Kenny Omega sending a video blog to the Young Bucks. And he says, you know what? Actually, this isn't a video blog. This is just for you two. And I'm sorry. And it is a, an apology from Kenny Omega. And he says, you know, when I said the Golden Lovers were the greatest tag team in the world, I don't know what I was thinking. Even I don't believe that. I know the Young Bucks are the best tag team in the world. I'm sorry. And he sends the video off. And who comes in to uh, get that video? But Cody, don't call him Rhodes. And Cody gets a hold of Nick's laptop and he starts going to town in one of the funniest freaking vignettes I think I've seen on being the elite. Is it Cody sitting there in his fur coat, just typing away like mad and maniacally laughing as he's doing it, cutting up the Kenny Omega video, only to send the laptop off to the Bucks who are in Australia. And they watch the video playback. And suddenly the video playback says the Golden Lovers are the best tag team in the world and the Young Bucks are just a couple of bitches. One of the Young Bucks, Matt, is pissed. And Nick says, hey, wait a minute. I think there's something doctored with that footage. Nope. I'm happy Kenny's being honest. He's finally saying how he feels. Oh, I'm ready for Long Beach now. I'm going to beat the shit out of Kenny Omega. No, no, just calm down. No, look at the video. Rick, what do you think here? Are, 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 are they seriously teasing a split between the Young Bucks? Yeah, we've, we've talked about it since the get-go. You know, are we going to see, uh, you know, kind of like an NWO split where you got the Hollywood versus the Wolfpack? Now, but you know what? I want to take another angle here. I'm going to come to the defense of one Cody Rhodes. You know, he's getting, you know, he's getting quite a bit of heat as being a very manipulative in this entire situation. Could it be that, you know, he really, he truly does have the best interests of the young bucks in, in mind here. You know, he's realizing with Omega coming out and saying, you know what, you guys are the best team. Maybe uh, his intentions were to try to get the bucks off their game. Okay. You know, it's really not that bad between us. Things are fine. And then uh, they come out and smack you in the mouth. So Cody might might be seeing through this act, and he knew just going straight to the Bucks and saying this is what happened that wasn't going to be effective enough. So he had to take measures, you know, to the next step. I cannot think on any plane of existence where you can defend the actions of the American nightmare. Cody, don't call him Rhodes. He is obviously trying to split up the Young Bucks. He's telling Nick Jackson, you know, everybody views you as the Shawn Michaels of the group. And then he's turning around and he's asking Matt Jackson, do you ever think about going solo? Wow, man, look at those guns. He's trying to split up the Young nah, Bucks. It, he has it, already split Kenny Omega away from the Bullet Club. And now he knows if he wants to take true possession of the Bullet Club, 
I don't have to just get rid of Kenny. I have to get rid of the Bucks too. I have to get rid of all of the elite. You know what I think? I think Cody Rhodes is nothing more than a WWE stooge. I think... I think what's going on here, you know how Ed Ferrara and Vince Russo were sent to WCW to destroy WCW? I think Cody Rhodes is out to destroy the Bullet Club for Vincent Kennedy McMahon. How, how amazing. I think you're completely wrong. Though. I think you're completely wrong. Cody is the good guy here. He sees Omega for that scumbag that he is. And he just realizes that, you know, everyone else is so brainwashed that, that they're just willing to believe anything that he puts forth, that he has to go to these drastic measures to to right the ship. But I will go with I will go with your with your thought process here. I think Cody is the WWE stooge. How incredible would that promo be if he returned? Oh, my. And drop that. My God. Wouldn't that be fucking fantastic? That's like two. That's, I mean, we're talking about dream scenarios that are so fucking far out there that even David Bowie couldn't begin to grasp them. But you, do you, uh, I mean, we talk about, you know, how they pander to the smarks at certain times and it gets these cheap reactions and people go overboard about things. I, I and we talk about, you know, how, like when the internet wrestling community gets heated up and the internet's going to explode. I literally think that would cause it right there. I mean, people, I don't, I don't know if people could even handle the situation. Yep. We have never identified the WWE stooge. I'm telling you, it's Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes has been sent by Vince McMahon to destroy the bullet club. That is what I think is going on here. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. It, it, and it just writes itself too when he comes back. All the different stories that you have there, you know, going after Finn or Gallows and, and Anderson or AJ or AJ. Oh man, God, that would be just fantastic. That would be so good. So, who do you think's going over here, Rick? Who do you think is it going to be the Golden Lovers or is it going to be the Young Bucks? You know, you know, at this point. As we've been saying, you know, this is just going to be the beginning of what is going to go down as one of the most epic stories in all of professional wrestling history. Uh, this program is just untouchable at this point, and it's just going to get hotter. I'm going to do what I always do to you, man. I, I'm going to say I don't have an answer because I don't want to have an answer. I want to go into this thing clean slate, and I just want to be entertained, and I want to just get ready for the ride. I can't pick one. I can't pick. Golden Lovers versus Young Bucks. I refuse to take sides. I'm not pulling for either team. I just hope everybody comes out all right. Because I would hate to see Matt and Nick Jackson split up and have to fight each other at all in. That would well, just be I, terrible. And, you know, as, going back to you, what I was talking about, you know, what might be interesting with, with Cody and Marty versus the Gorillas. You know, the, it's, you know it's, it's gonna be a, there's going to be a ton of pop moments in this match. It's going to be intense. It's going to be edge of the seat. But once that final bell rings is where we're really going to get a story. 
So that's going to do it for your preview of Strong Style Evolved. Rick and I will be back in your ear holes this Monday morning in the locker room, hackerhameen.podbean.com. We will break down all the ongoings from Strong Style Evolved. We will get your Monday Night Raw preview. We will get your Tuesday SmackDown preview. (laughs) Like that'll be released by the time we record. And then we also have our very special exclusive interview with one Miss Kelly Klein coming up this Monday. Rick, it's already in the can. Are you excited for the other people to hear it? I know I'm excited. I, you know, I was going to say, you know, usually kick it to me where, you know, to put over my own plugs, put myself over. Uh, it's not even about me right now. I am so excited for everyone to be able to hear our conversation with Miss Kelly Klein. So I want you guys, hey, go out on social media right now. You can find her across all platforms at Real Kelly Klein. Uh, and, and she's she's everywhere. She's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And each of them brings you a different flavor of her, li- of her life. Very, very entertaining. You're going to want to check those out. And you better make sure you tune in Monday for our interview with her. That's going to wrap things up for me and Rick. We'll talk to you on Monday. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya!
seem to get that through to you. I'm talking about God, the devil, hell, heaven. Do you understand? Finally!